Thank you for listening to the Motion City Church Podcast, where, at our core, we are about bringing people into an authentic, growing, and thriving relationship with Jesus. This week, we continue our series, A King's Speech, A Summer in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's listen in. Most of you won't appreciate this, but Matt will, so it's okay. I'm tall, so I can't leave that on the floor, or I can't see it. I'm going to put this up here and just put it in a place of honor. Matt blew me a kiss. Um, Some of you may not appreciate it. It's okay. We're in Minnesota. I get that. Uh, My dad was a Cowboys fan, so I was raised with two options, love the Cowboys or move out. Um... He didn't just give that to us. My mom is here, and I think he gave my mom the same ultimatum. uh, Love the Cowboys or get out. So he was pretty serious about his love for the Dallas Cowboys. But it's okay, because even if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan, I think we can all agree on one thing. The Packers suck. So if you like the Packers, I'm not going to apologize for that. that That statement will stay right there on the table the whole time. So... We're not going to take that one back. I have a friend, a dear friend who's a Packers fan, and part of my joy in life is mocking and berating him and his love for the Packers. So you can't take that away from me, okay? That's all there is to it. This morning, uh, Steve asked me to speak, and I love the opportunity to speak. For me, there's really no, um, no bigger compliment as a, as a pastor than being asked to speak at somebody else's church, to speak to their people and the people that they love, because I think that that's, I mean... I, if you don't know this yet, Steve and Jen love you dearly, and they love this church dearly, and it is who they are, and it's a, a part of who they are. So to, to kind of let the, to open it up to people is a, a huge deal. So I, I, I take it as a, a huge compliment, and, and uh, hopefully I can share something with you this morning. And uh, we're, we're going to read this morning out of Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to do that in just a minute. But I want to tell you a little, a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up in Iowa, a little town called Waterloo. Anybody know where that is? No? It's okay. You don't have to know. What? what? Go there all the time? Drive through it all the time. Yep. We're a drive through town. So uh, if you grew up anywhere but like a major city, you know, basically if you live in Iowa and Des Moines, you live in a city people know um, or have visited. But for the most part, if you live anywhere else, you live in a drive through town. So you just kind of, everybody drives right by you. Or they know, um, I found that people know like our, our truck stops more than they know our towns. So they, it's like, oh yeah, the Flying J. I know that truck stop. And you're like, yeah, I live next to that. So, right, I just, I'm getting like a fist bump. Like, yeah, I know the Flying J. Uh, we used to go, we used to go there and eat their uh, breakfast buffet, like pounds of bacon. So... But I lived in a small town even outside of Waterloo. Waterloo's only 60,000 people, and I lived in a small town outside of that called Evansdale. And when I was a kid, when you live in a town like that, if you didn't grow up in that situation, your parents can be pretty laid back, especially, you know, I'm 32. So, you know, when I was a kid 20-plus years ago, society was a little more laid back about child care. Um, you know, I always tell people as a kid, I was free-range parented during the summer times, which meant that, like, all the parents went to work, and then the grandparents of the town kind of watched over us. And uh, we ended up at someone's house eating, or we ate peanut butter and jellies and, you know, jars of pickles, and that was lunch. And it was, it was funny because as a kid, my parents were pretty lax. They let us kind of run free in the summertime, and we'd stay at our friend's house, and it, it wasn't a huge deal. And we kind of got to do the things that we wanted to do. We could ride our bikes to our friend's house, no problem. And, and it, was, it was really pretty chill. 
But what I find interesting is uh, I remember as a kid, every time I would ask my parents to do something, the answer was no, I was upset, right? Everybody, you remember that as a kid, whether being a kid in your parents' house was five years ago or 15 years ago, you remember that feeling of like your parents would let you do things and then all of a sudden your parents wouldn't let you do something and it was the end of the world. Like all of a sudden you went from living in a, a wonderful household where your mom and dad loved you and then all of a sudden you have that thing where you maybe cross a line and you're like, this is like a communist dictatorship, okay? That's not how this works. This is America. I get to make choices, mom and dad, okay? And we have this attitude where we're like, how come I can't do what I want? And it's because as a kid, we know what we need and for some reason our parents won't just let us do it right? Now, how many of you, I, there, were a, there are a ton of kids here, so I know that the answer to this is most of you, but how many of you are parents in here or have spent time, maybe you have nieces and nephews, right? Isn't, isn't it amazing how that flips as a parent? Now, you become the communist dictatorship. You'll let them do whatever they want all the time, and then, like, the moment you say no, they're like, hey, can I have dessert? It's like, it's nine o'clock. You're in your pajamas and have already brushed your teeth. No, you can't have dessert. Why don't you love me, mom? Why don't you love me, dad? Like, all of a sudden, you're like, hey, hold on a minute. Like what happened? Like I just, we went on a bike ride into the park and I took you out for dinner and now I won't give you dessert at nine o'clock at night and you're mad. This is craziness. And you know what the difference is? This is what I've realized. What's changed from the time when you were a kid and you were angry and the time you're an adult and now you're being, having someone angry at you for the same decision. You know what I think it is? It's perspective, right? Because as a kid, you don't understand that eating ice cream after you brush your teeth is probably a poor life decision because you don't have enough forethought to think, hey, cavities cost money, right? Because you don't know what money is. You don't understand the economy. So you don't understand that mom and dad go to work to make money and they would much rather spend that money on the desserts that they're purchasing you as opposed to dental work because they let you eat those desserts at 9.30 at night. So we, we get older and we gain perspective, the same question that as a kid we were angry about, we have to make as an adult and somebody gets angry at us. And we don't understand. We're frustrated with the anger. Before we were the angry one and now we're the one who's frustrated with the anger. Because as an adult, we have life experiences that change our perspective. Our perspective, it, it adjusts. And I think the problem is we don't understand the difference between the two and how important it is. We don't understand the difference between what we want and what we need. We don't understand the difference between what is good and what may be good in some circumstances, but in this moment is not great. And that's where I want to read. So I want to start by reading this, this passage. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11. If you have your Bible, which you probably don't, if you have it on your phone, you can get it out now. Otherwise, it'll be up on the screen. This is what it says. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? So here's my question this morning. This is, this is the question I want to ask you, and I think we're going to have a good laugh about it. I'm gonna, it's going to be up on the screen. Here it is. Do you know more than God? Right? Like, there's kind of a moment like, okay, seriously, what a stupid question. 
I mean, it seems, it seems like an insane question, right? It sounds like that's a question like, do you know more about winning than the GOAT Michael Jordan? Okay, if you don't agree with that statement, again, like the Cowboys and the Packers sucking, you know, the Cowboys being great, Packers sucking, Vikings, it's cool, whatever. As long as we don't play in an important game, it's fine. If you don't agree with Michael Jordan being the GOAT and you come to me after church and you say, you know, I agree with everything you said, but LeBron James is the GOAT. No, we can't, we can't do this, okay? That's like, that, we're starting our relationship. Michael Jordan is the GOAT. That's a statement, okay? That's right there, like, should be etched in, like, a stone somewhere in America and just hung up. Michael Jordan equals GOAT, okay? Michael Jordan is so much the GOAT that I taught my daughter what it meant to, like, an acronym, okay? I taught her what that was based on GOAT and Michael Jordan. So, huh? Greatest of all time the goat, okay? So Tom Brady just turned 40, and they, bought, they, they had, like, goats with Tom Brady great moments because he's the goat in football, even though I kind of hate him secretly. But seriously, though, how many of you would laugh if I asked you that question? Do you know more than God? How many of you are like, that's a really stupid question. I think you're sitting in church this morning, so you probably have an answer to that question, but you don't even have that question ready to fire because nobody has ever asked you that question because it's the most ignorant question in the world. But what's funny is we act like we know more than God all the time. We say we don't, but really we act like we do. Our behaviors don't exactly mirror the statement that we make. I mean, in our head, we think to ourselves, I don't know more than God. God knows what's best for me. I trust God because God loves me. But our behaviors don't exactly mirror that statement. Our behaviors don't reflect that truth. It's like saying you love somebody and then hurting them in some way, whether it's physically or emotionally. You say, I love them, but then your actions don't mirror the behavior. It's like saying, I love my kids, but then doing things that are harmful to your kids. You say you love them, but nobody would believe it based simply on your actions. And I think a lot of times that's part of our issue is we think we say, we say to ourselves, I, I think God knows what's best for me. Deep down, I trust God and I know that God has the best plan for my life. But then we ask God for things and our behaviors, they don't, they don't mirror it at all. Because we do things like we pray and we assume that we know what's best. And when God doesn't answer yet, when God doesn't answer, we just assume God hasn't answered yet. Or we ask God for something and because it hasn't happened, it just wasn't the right time yet. We assume that, we say, I'm praying this prayer and God's going to answer it because God loves me and he wants what's best for me. But that's like saying, I love my kids and my kids want ice cream at 9.30 at night on a school night, so I should give it to them because I love them. But I have enough perspective to know that that's not what's best for them. I have enough perspective to know that in the long term, that's not a good decision. We tend to project things on God, and I think that, that that's probably the most dangerous world to live in. Because what happens is we try to create God in the image of us as opposed to allowing ourselves to be created in God's image. We, we put on God things that we want. We project things. We say things like, God loves all people, which is true. But then we just stop sentences without adding any sort of qualifiers or any sort of perspectives and saying things like, God loves everybody. 
but he's also a just God. And if we do something wrong, we can't exactly be mad about consequences for our actions in the long term, right? When, we're, when, when, you're, when you were a kid, you probably didn't understand why when you did something wrong, mom and dad had to punish you. And it's because they know it's best for you and they're trying to stop a behavior before it becomes your repetitive action. They want destructive behavior to stop right away as opposed to existing in the long term. And God's the same way. God's saying, I love you a lot, but I also would like you to stop being stupid. I want you to stop making terrible decisions. I want, to, I want you to stop doing things that are destructive, not just to other people, but to yourself. We say that God wants the best for his people, and it's true, 100%. I would never argue with that statement. I would never argue with that statement. You would never find me in an argument with somebody saying, hey, I don't think God wants what's best for people. Like, that, that is the dumbest, that, again, that's a dumb argument to try and make. The problem is, we stop it there and we ignore the fact that what we believe is good isn't always what he knows is good. See, that's the difference is we believe we know something, but God actually knows something. And we kind of live in this middle ground where we say, I'll trust God with things that I get the answers that I want. I'll trust God when God gives me the answer I want. And when he doesn't, I'll just assume that maybe he's thinking about it. Going back to the kid example, you ever have that moment where you think, you're like, okay, mom, can I go to my friend's house? And she goes, no, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. So then you just shift over. And you're like, hey, dad, can I go to, can I go to, can I go to my friend's house? And your dad goes, what'd your mom say? And your response is always, well, she wasn't a hundred percent. She didn't seem like she gave me a hundred percent answer. It might've been a 99.9% no, but there's a shred. Maybe if you say yes, I can go tell her you said it's okay and she'll let me go. So what do you think? And we play that game with God. The problem is we're not arguing two sides of the same thing. We're kind of just arguing with ourselves and God. It's like, hey, God, I really, I really want to get this job. God's like, yeah, that's not good for you. You're like, okay. So I think I'm going to take the job because God didn't seem concrete. I mean, I got the offer. So clearly... God gave me the opportunity for the job, so I should take it. There was, there was that moment where you're like, you try to find the qualifier, right? Well, if God really didn't want me to take it, then why did he make the person offer me the job? Duh. We logic things out, and we start to project things on God, and we get into these dangerous circumstances where we're making assumptions that are completely and wildly off base, in John 16, Jesus tells his disciples that he's leaving soon. And he, he goes on to say that they're going to be scattered. They're going to be sent all over the place. Then he emphasizes exactly what I'm saying in verse 33, and it's going to be up on the screen. John 16, 33, it says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Now, it's funny because we love, as Christians, we love to, to make you know, motivational or really ex like happy statements on Facebook. Like you never see anybody here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows. Hallelujah. I need to pay. I'm putting that on Facebook. People will share that like crazy, right? That's going crazy on Instagram. No, but it's interesting because I have overcome the world. Jesus. Like that's a quote that everybody sees everywhere. We love statements. I have overcome the world. I'm going to give you what you want. The desires of your heart but we don't take into account that 
trials and sorrows are kind of part, it's part of the package deal. That's not the happy, go lucky, good fun stuff. But our, our hope is not found in prayers being answered perfectly according to our will. Our hope is found in Jesus. Our, our hope and trust and faith is in Jesus because he says, I've overcome the world. Life circumstances aren't easy. They're not, okay? If, if you, up to this point in your life, if somehow you got to this point in your life, you're like, life is pretty easy for me. I'm sorry, I just busted your bubble, okay? Life circumstances aren't always easy. But that, that's not a bad thing because life circumstances are what make us who we are. If it weren't for the things we went through, we wouldn't be who we are. So rather than get upset about them, we need to understand them. We've been prepared for a moment we won't understand by the things that we've had to go through in life up to this point. And we'll be prepared for other moments in life by the circumstances we still have yet to go through. I think the key to understanding our life circumstances can often be found in the idea that we don't know as much as we think we do. We think we know what makes us happy. We make assumptions about what's best for us. We think we know what's good. And really, I'll tell you this, the only, like, definitive thing that is good and that will make you happy is Jesus. Other than that, things come and they go. Happiness comes and goes. It wanes in seasons. And sometimes, sometimes happiness isn't found in the biggest, fanciest, shiniest new car. The issue often comes from the fact that we make certain, certain assumptions, right? We ask, we seek, we knock, just like the scripture says. We say, God, I'm asking, you're supposed to answer. I'm seeking, I'm supposed to find, I'm knocking, you're supposed to open the door. What is happening? How come I'm asking and you're not answering? Where's the answer that I want? We don't understand that as the scripture says, we often think that we're asking for bread and fish. We think we're asking for good things when in all reality, God's going, yeah, that's not bread. That's a stone, bro. That's a stone, okay? You're not asking for a fish. You're asking for a snake and it is going to bite you and kill you if you get it. We don't have perspective. Just like when we were kids, we didn't have the perspective our parents do. And as parents, we don't have the perspective that our kids did, our kids do. We have perspective that our kids don't have. And that's, that's good. But we can't, some, for some reason, we don't, we don't qualify that. We think, okay, well, I'm an adult now, so I make adult decisions and I make good decisions. And God goes, yeah. So the, the world says you're an adult, but you're still my kid. And you still make terrible decisions most of the time. Anybody in here a king, of buyer, king or queen of buyer's remorse? Anybody? Just me? Okay. I got a couple of head nods. I, I, my wife will attest to the fact that I spent most of my life being the king of buyer's remorse. I was one of those people who bought things and I loved them and I used them just long enough to make them not returnable, right? Which is the worst feeling in the world because it's one thing I, I like to give my wife a hard time because she loves to buy things from Target, but she returns about 60% of them. Now, I have to give her credit that I did, I did that. I bought a lot of things but then I didn't return any of them. I just used them enough to make them unreturnable or I kept them long enough to make them unreturnable. And then I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really like this thing anymore. 
what did I do? And had I had a moment of perspective and just said, you know what, maybe I don't need this. Maybe I don't need to own this specific thing. I wouldn't be sitting there 90 days, at day 91 when the return policy is 90, going, man, that was a waste of money. Now I'm going to go sell it to my friend for 25% of what it's worth. And he wins. And it's because I didn't have perspective. I didn't make a good decision, not because I was completely dumb, just because I had bad perspective. I didn't have the perspective of 90 days out in the future going, man, three months from now, I might not like this. I might not enjoy this thing. You see, I've got 32 years worth of perspective. Some of you are 50 years in, and some of you are 20 years in. But here's the thing. All of it pales in comparison to God's eternity worth of perspective. Because here's the thing. Not only does God see everything in your life that, you've, that has happened, it says that, that God knows all time, okay? He doesn't, time doesn't, it's not a thing for God. He sees what's in your future. He sees what's good for you. He knows what's best for you. And we need to focus on the value of unanswered prayers and the value of differently answered prayers. Prayers that are answered in maybe the ways that we don't want. Prayers that are answered in ways that we don't assume is the answer we want or we need. Because that's typically what we get upset about, right? We're like, God, I need, I need you to answer the prayer this way. I need this job. I need this house. I need this significant other. I need, I need, I need. And God says, yeah, no, you really don't. Not only, not only do you not need it, you're the opposite of need it. Like you need to run in the other direction from it. Not only do I, should I not give it to you, you should run in the opposite direction. Like just turn and run. Because when we're tested and when we go through things, we build perseverance. We build faith. You know, I, I think about how a lot of times we think wear and tear is bad. And it is like with your car, right? I mean, you don't want wear. If you could avoid wear and tear on your car, you wouldn't own 52 cars by the time you die. You would just own one car because wear and tear is not a thing. But wear and tear is a thing. And most of the time, it's not the greatest thing in the world. But sometimes wear and tear is necessary. And it's not just necessary, it's good. I, I play guitar, and I remember when I first started playing guitar, if, if you've ever tried to play guitar, you've probably gone through the circumstance. If you play guitar, you understand what I'm talking about. Guitar strings hurt your fingers like crazy, okay? They hurt a lot, especially when, when you have, like, nice soft fingertips and you start to play on those metal strings and you push them against something hard. It hurts, okay? It's not the most pleasant feeling in the world, and it feels really uncomfortable, when I first started playing guitar, I had about five to ten good minutes of guitar playing in me before I just sat there and I'm like, oh, I don't think I want to play guitar this bad. I, I don't think I want to play this bad. And most people who try to learn guitar, that's the thing. It's not the music part of it. It's not how hard it is to learn the instrument. Your struggle is with the fact that it hurts a lot to play that instrument. Like, it hurts your fingers. It's like everybody in here, if you've ever had a moment where you're like, I'm getting healthy. I'm doing this. I'm going to get healthy. And then you go for a run right? You go for a nice jog and you're like, I got, I can jog. Like I walk a lot. So clearly jogging is just, I can probably jog half as long as I can walk. So that's a logical thing. I remember when I first started trying to get in shape and I was really out of shape. I'm not in great shape now, but I was in much worse shape then. Okay. So I, <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, I've realized that 
I, uh, there, there are two kinds of people in this world. There are the people who exercise to just compensate for calories and the people who exercise to get really fit. I just like ice cream. So if I can work out enough to be able to eat ice cream at the end of the night, I'm good, okay? It just needs to be a wash. I got like 600 calories of ice cream, need to burn 600 additional calories so I can fit in my shirts. So when I first started to exercise, I remember, and my wife will attest to this as well, I remember the first time I ever went for a jog, I thought, like, I'm going to go for a run. Put on my jogging shoes, put on my shorts, put on my sleeveless shirt. I was like, I'm going for a run. I'm going to do this thing. And I went for a run, and I ran what I thought was a long ways, and I thought I was going to die. I was exhausted. I was sweaty. I got home, and I wanted to just lay down and go to sleep for the night. And then the next day, my legs were still sore, and I was like, man, I ran a long ways. I should see how far I ran. So I got in my car, and I flipped the trip meter back. And I went around the block, and I drove the path that I ran, and I got to the end of it, and I was like, 0.18 miles. Oh, dear Lord. I'm really out of shape. Like, this is not a good situation. Like, I didn't even run a quarter of a mile, but in my head, I was like, I, I had to run at least like a mile, maybe a mile and a half. I was way too tired to be anything. No, less than a quarter of a mile. But you know what? If you run a quarter of a mile, and the next day you run a quarter of a mile, and the next day you run a quarter of a mile, and then a week later you run a half a mile, you're going to feel tired when you stretch that distance. But by the end of each section, you're going to slowly build more perseverance. More, You're going to have more ability to run farther and work farther. When I played guitar, when I first started playing, I had about five good minutes. I can sit around and play guitar for hours. I get done, and sometimes my fingers hurt. But for the most part, I can play for a couple hours. And it's like, oh, yeah, that was good. And it's because over time we build these calluses in our life. When it's playing guitar, you build calluses on your fingers. When it's running, sometimes it's calluses on your feet. And I think what we need to understand is that unanswered prayers or prayers that are answered differently than we ask, sometimes they build faith calluses in our life. Sometimes they build a, a sense of understanding that we don't, we don't get at that moment. See, I asked when we started, I said, do you know more than God? Right? And it's funny. It's kind of hilarious, that question. It seems insane. But we act like we do. We ask for things and get upset when God doesn't give them to them, to us. You want that promotion, right? Like in our head, we say, I want, I need this promotion. But God knows that you don't need it because it'll take you away from your family. You want to be able to move to that city, but you can't figure out how to move to that new city or neighborhood, and it's because God says, I don't need you there. You want your offer accepted on that house. But God says, trust me, I know what that house is made of. And I know what's going on there and you don't want it. Or I know those neighbors and you don't want them. We like to say that we trust God. We like to say that we, we know that God knows what's best for us. But the reality is we act a whole lot like we know what's best for ourselves. Now, I would never encourage anybody. I would never say, stop praying prayers where you ask and seek and knock. I think living on Matthew 7, 7 and keeping on asking, keeping on knocking, keeping on seeking is necessary. It's so important. You have to do it. I think 1 Thessalonians five seventeen should ring in our hearts forever. Never stop praying or pray without ceasing. We should never stop praying. We should never have a moment where we quit asking God for things. But I think we should ask God, if we're going to ask, ask for something specific. Ask for big things, and that's okay. Because you know what? If you ask for big, crazy, audacious miracles, things that are completely out of the realm of possibility, 
then there's only one explanation when it happens, that God did it. You can't say like, this just happened by chance. I just flew up the, uh, all the rungs of success in my business. I flew up them because I was the most qualified. No, you probably weren't. God had a plan. You didn't get that house that you were, weren't even the highest bidder on because you, they liked you the best. And if they did like you the best, it's because God made them like you the best. Those things happen. Ask for big, crazy prayers. It's okay to ask for them. But when you do throw in taglines and ask for the right things, have the right heart and mentality. When you ask for a job promotion, don't ask for a job promotion. Ask for God to make you promotable. Say, God, make me promotable. That way when you get the job, you're ready for the job and you can honor God with that job. Don't just pray for that house. Pray for the right house in the right neighborhood with the right neighbors, with the right people that you can influence. Don't ask, for a God, don't ask God for a spouse. Ask God to prepare you to be a good spouse. Don't ask God for things. Ask God to prepare you for things for, so that you're ready for those things when they come. Because then when they come and when they happen, when the timeline lines up, you can honor God with those prayers answered. And it's not about you getting what you want. It's about you honoring God with your life. In those moments, it's easy to assume that you know more than God. Because you say, I want this job. I need this job. But God knows best. The reality is, instead of aiming to understand that we know what's best for ourselves, instead of aiming to understand and say, we know what we need, we should aim to understand that we've only got 20 or 30 or 50 years of experience. We've only got 20 or 30 or 50 years of perspective. And that doesn't compare to what God knows. God's got an eternity worth of perspective. God knows what's best for us. He knows the plans that he has for us, and we should trust him with those. So when you ask and you seek and you knock, understand that you should ask, seek, and knock with perspective. Let's pray. God, I ask you to challenge our hearts today. I ask you to challenge the things that we seek for in life, the things that we're looking for, the things that we're asking for. I, I pray that you would challenge our hearts with what it is that we're chasing in life. That if it's of you, that we would continue to chase it and trust that eventually that prayer will be answered and that thing will come true. But I pray that we would understand that it's not our right or responsibility to get angry or upset when our prayers aren't answered the way we want them to. I pray for perspective. I pray that we would trust you and trust who you are in the plan that you have for our life. That we would trust you with what it is we truly need instead of thinking that we know everything. I pray that we would ask, that we would seek, that we would knock, that we would pray without ceasing, but we would do it all with perspective. God, challenge our hearts this week. Over the next few days, I pray that if there's something that we've been asking for, that we've been praying for, that we've been seeking for, and it's not something that you have for us, God, I pray that you would just carve it out of us no matter how painful it is, that you would take it away, or that you would allow us to modify what it is that we're asking for. Thank you for who you are and all that you're doing, the leading and guiding in our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said.
Amen. Thanks for listening to the Motion City Church Podcast. We hope that you have a great week. We would love to invite you to join us at Motion City Church every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at Falwell School in South Minneapolis. To find out more information about Motion City Church, please go to www.motioncitychurch.com or you can follow us at Motion City MN on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter.